0: When it comes to influencers, Instagram definitely goes from strength to strength. Unfortunately, I see a bit of a lag with Facebook blogs have probably fallen away and key changes to um, platforms like Instagram with longer form video formats like IGTV uh, have really dominated.
1: Hello and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, Mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter.
2: Hello and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. I'm your host, Katrina McArter, and today I'm chatting with Natalie Giddings. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Natalie Giddings, you need to be. She is the owner of The Remarkables Group, which is Australia's first agency dedicated to providing strategic advice and influencer services to brands. Natalie leads a team of influencer marketing and content specialists, and she works with some of Australia's largest retail Food and lifestyle brands, including Woolworths, Bunnings, and Westpac. And she is also the host of Ticker Influencers on Ticker TV. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Delighted to be back, Katrina. I know, I was just saying, you are the first guest that we've had back for a second time. So, you know, I really want to congratulate you. That was almost two years ago.
0: Oh, unbelievable. The time flies so fast, but also, uh, you know, I think, Podcasts have become so prolific in the last little while, but you really got in there and particularly, you know, with your topic and specialism on marketing to mums, podcasts and layering our time and doing two things at once while still being able to learn um, is really valuable. I've tuned into a number of your episodes. So congratulations to you as well.
2: Oh, I really really appreciate that. Now, Natalie, in our last conversation, we spoke a lot about some of those key mistakes that brands were making when they were engaging in influencer marketing. We also had a bit of a chat around the the rise of micro-influencers and whether you should engage an influencer short or long term. So, for those of our listeners who haven't listened to that episode, I will put that link in the show notes and I really highly recommend that you have a listen to that one. Today, I'm really Keen to talk about the growth of influencer marketing, I'm really keen to also talk about, you know, perhaps some opportunities that are opening up or some trends that are happening within influencer marketing, and also talk about disclosure because I know that that's a very, very hot topic at the moment. So, listen, I want to dive in. The first question that I really want to ask you is around the growth of influencer marketing. Are brands becoming more confident in their use of influencer marketing and is it becoming, you know, more popular in use with small and big brands?
0: Look, uh, absolutely. I mean, particularly over the last two years, even I thought it might plateau around that time, but it absolutely hasn't done that at all. Um, You know, we're working with a really diverse group of brands now and I mean even incidences like COVID people realised very quickly that people would be at home around their families looking for inspiration and things to do you know even some of those old-school trends like craft and DIYs became incredibly popular to keep us all entertained. You know, a number of brands might have shifted, uh, you know, installed some of their other traditional channels and definitely came forward with new ideas and being very open to influencer marketing, um, you know, whilst it does take an considerable amount of time to find the right people um, and partnerships, there's also, I guess, an element of being able to hit the ground pretty quickly when it comes to influencers and talent and, you know, maybe tap into some of those new activities, you know, like cooking, you know, like gardening, painting, all of those sorts of sorts of things that families are needing to do, I guess, to keep a bit sane through this period. So, you know, whilst other businesses might have seen a decline, we absolutely went into hyperdrive.
2: Fantastic. Are there some brands that uh, that are doing a really good job with influencer marketing to reach mothers, which you know we could all learn from? Who, who are they? Um, look. <laughs>
0: Definitely a number of, I guess, home project-centered brands. So, you know, you're gardening through to your garage renovations, you know, things like um doing bathroom remodeling and laundry remodeling, where once upon a time, you know, busy families would have outsourced a lot of those roles to to tradies and, and that type of thing. They're getting their hands Dirty with that type of activity, and and then the, the family baby um, segment has grown as well. For us, uh, we we definitely specialize in that retail sector, um, like you mentioned, Bunnings and Woolworths. So you know some of these brands now have dedicated influencer specialists in house to manage all of the activity, uh, and so that's always helpful for us because we love to partner with talent on an ongoing, longer term basis. Uh, You get to know them, you get to know their strengths or their superpowers, I call it. Uh, You get to know exactly what works and what doesn't work. So there's been a lot of um, split testing. It's not just influencers growing, but also the usage of channels like Instagram. Instagram hit 10 years last last week, 10 years old. Pinterest has had a major boost in Australia as well. So kind of really planning out a content framework where uh, much of the content is being used uh, and repurposed not just on you know reposting on their brand's own channels but used in things like you know google display network so you know it does mean the complexity is there so you know Recently, particularly over the last twelve months, much of my team's time is spent in the contract phase. So when you're approaching talent, you know I think years gone by, uh, it was you know very casual. Hey, are you interested in this you know product? Would you like to try it? Or I noticed you've been using this product. Would you like to you know use the latest iteration of it and talk about it to your audience? Now it's we need to be very mindful of usage and who owns the content and how long that'll be used for. So about a third of our time is in that contract phase, which benefits everybody because there's no surprises, you know, whilst many of them are still doing it around, around families or around maybe a, an in real life job, I call it. It does guarantee a consistent level of income and certainty and effort to be able to dedicate the resources that they need to be able to create the Content brands are really looking for, so it has gotten more complex. But in my in my mind, with the development of things like the AMP Code guidelines around disclosure, beneficial for everyone, including their audience. Everything's transparent upfront. Professional, I think, has been a big a big tick for us. Where you know, influencers are getting really savvy. They're familiar with some of the terminology and goals that brands are trying to achieve. So everyone's just kind of grown up a little bit.
2: Mm, I think that that's really evident. And I love the fact that there's introduction of of agreements and that you are spending so much time in that contract stage, because I think that everyone wants to know that there's no gray areas. I'm really keen to, I guess, expand a little bit on you mentioned that Woolworths and Bunnings were doing a a really good job in terms of using influencer marketing. Are there any other brands that you would suggest uh, for us to go and have a look at?
0: Look, probably there's some really uh, exciting brands that we've been covering as part of Ticker, so the Ticker Show, which is a you know first dedicated um, online TV show for influencer marketing, specifically for brand and marketing professionals. And so, I've met a large um, a large group of people through my dealings with that. So, I guess a lot of our house hold items. Obviously, brands like Bondi Sands have almost built their entire brand and now a global expansion on influencers. And then uh, another terrific example is someone like Epicistos, who, you know, uh, have been a clean brand in Australia for decades, if not a century now with their eucalyptus. Uh, and so launching cleaning products to the household and using influencers as, you know, sort of 60 to 70% of the content they're creating for their brand, hosting a lot of that content on their own website. So a full life cycle of content is now coming from influencers where traditionally they might have gone to I guess a typical uh, video production agency and hired traditional talent to feature in what is probably a short burst campaign more looking at the longer term partnerships and planning a portion of their content that is purely coming from influencers so they get that real I guess, benefit from optimising their budget because, you know, you're you're commissioning talent to trial, use and talk about your products and then capturing a bunch of content across multiple formats. Things like Instagram stories are huge, even even long form video and, uh, you know, repurposing that content multiple
2: times to, to maximise the investment. Fantastic. Who are some of the emerging influences specifically to reach mothers and what are their key platforms?
0: It's funny because we started our life in 2012 uh, as a representation agency. So we represented talent. We were a talent manager essentially group. We are the first in Australia and at that time it was Mummy Bloggers and that space has not gone away. There's even a large number of new talent agencies that have sprung up in in that field. There's some terrific talent. They've gotten very good at you know, sharing the behind the scenes of their lives and people are tuning in genuinely interested in what they have to say about the products or services that they're using. So look, where there might have been a sprinkling of a few niche players with smaller audiences, many of those women, you know, they might be on their third or fourth child now have established uh, enormous audiences. I think of people like Um, Brittany Noonan, um, The Quinn Girls, The Real Mama, you know, they're sort of three or four years into this now and uh, incredibly professional when it comes to dealing with brands and being able to communicate clearly how they think and feel about a product and that's hugely powerful we all want to know whether something works for us before we buy it so it's 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 very powerful
2: absolutely and just for our listeners I'll make sure that we've got the links into those three influences there that Nat mentioned I've got a question for you Nat where are the older female influences? You know, I see an absence of you know mothers in their late forties and early fifties. I will say I've started following the the silver woman uh, more recently and really enjoy that. But we don't see the same number of influences in this kind of age area. And I'm keen to know: is that because you feel that women aren't swayed by influences when they hit this age, or is this area still really emerging? Oh, it's definitely emerging. We
0: do get that question a lot, actually. So you know, I, we do struggle. There's there's actually a lack of influences in that space. Admittedly, it does take an enormous amount of effort and time to manage these platforms. Now, it's not just about popping up a photo here and there. You know, there is a brands are expecting very high quality content in the right setting, in the right format, probably in multiple formats. So it's not easy. And, you know, then you have to maintain and keep communicating with your audience. It can be a seven day a week job. So we really find a lack of people in that space. I'm always on the lookout for uh, people of all age ranges, specialist topics and niches, because there's always different brands that want to step into this space so i'm always trying to i spent we spend a lot of time on the brand side but i also spend a lot of time on the talent side you know really trying to nurture talent encourage them you know give them some pointers as to what type of content could really work and perhaps what channels to concentrate on so that they're you know funneling their energy in their effort yeah there's there's in my opinion there's still a real lack of diversity across a number of factors to be honest
2: yeah look I really see this one as a, a big gap I work with a, a lot of brands that are are very interested in this audience of you know gen x mothers and um, I, I would love to see some influencer talent developed in in this area because um, geez there's there's a lot of work out there
1: Marketing to Mums The Podcast is proudly brought to you by the Marketing to Mums Assessment. This personalized diagnostic report will help you understand how your brand is currently performing in your Marketing to Mums activities. The Marketing to Mums Assessment will clearly identify your gaps and opportunities and provide you with a series of recommendations to attract, engage and convert more mothers and their families to your business. You can find out more about Marketing to Mums assessment on the website at www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash assessment.
2: Another area that I see is dads. Look, we're seeing that dads are becoming far more involved in parenting, particularly in our younger millennial and Gen Z families. I'm actually talking to quite a lot of brands about the need to be considering dads in their marketing efforts. Are you seeing a growth in dad influences? And if so... Could you share with us, you know, a dad influencer that we could follow or or how you might have worked with a brand and used a dad influencer? It's funny that you
0: say that because there is, again, similar to the, the different age stages, we also struggle with finding great dads, meaning that there's plenty of great dads, but I guess Again, they might not have the time or resources to be able to dedicate to their own channel, where we kind of find a bit of a loophole with this one, and this is a great tip with, uh, with talent that openly share their their lives, if they've, if their partner features quite heavily, Quite often, we'll approach them for the benefit of the fact that they're, you know, they're sharing their whole life journey, and we see engagement rates go up when dads involved. People, uh, people love to tune in to 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 hear. you know, how they interact with their partner, how they deal with the stress on a daily basis, you know, how they juggle the, you know, the daily chores that are involved, all of those bits and pieces. Everyone's kind of struggling in that department. I know it's always a balance here of trying to make it the right balance, I should say. And so people are always looking for insights to how other families are doing those sorts of things from that first nappy change right through to, you know, obviously with homeschooling and so forth. So quite often We're not just approaching her, we're we're probably also approaching her and her partner indirectly and try and encourage him to be as, as much a part of the story as humanly possible. So, you know, where there's been some great examples of that, you know, say Adele with the real mama and her partner, Paul, he'll often take over her Facebook posts on her behalf and, you know, it always makes a terrific story because that's what it's really like in people's homes, right?
2: Absolutely. I was going to mention Adele and her partner because, yes, I've, I've noticed her engagement drive heavily um, when he features
0: Yes, yes. So where we can, we try, whilst there's not a lot of data accounts specifically, where we try to make that connection is some really great um, power couples. Look, there's people that, uh, like Sarah's day and her partner, Kurt, they've got their oh, nearly one-year-old, maybe over one-year-old now, baby fox. And it's just, uh, it's terrific uh, to watch that story we've seen many of these people grow up you know Sarah's day when she first started talking about her skin issues a few years ago on YouTube now Kurt plays a major role in all of their content and uh, you know I think that's incredibly powerful because we get to see and get to hear how real families coping just like we're trying to
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was a great tip as well. So thanks for sharing that one with us, Natalie. I'm keen to actually talk about the growth in social media channels over the last two years since we last spoke. What social media channels are experiencing the greatest growth amongst mothers, which should be on a brand's radar, in your opinion?
0: Uh, Look, Instagram definitely goes from strength to strength. Unfortunately, I see a bit of a lag with Facebook when it comes to influences, not when, when it comes to how we connect with our friends and family, it's absolutely still a critical channel and should not be ignored. But absolutely, when it comes to influencers, you know, blogs have probably fallen away and key changes to um, platforms like Instagram with uh, the introduction, I guess, or more focus on things like uh, IGTV this is the ability to be able to have long form video. So I guess a longer style conversation with their audience, those video has definitely exploded. And so those have really taken prominence, you know, when it comes to, you know, depends on the type of brief, but often we're trying to not just provide awareness of the product or service, but how it works. What are the benefits? What's in it for me? So longer form video formats like IGTV, have really dominated definitely been an explosion throughout COVID naturally because people have got not much else to do TikTok I'm I'm always blown away by the growth of TikTok again whether it's relevant right now for the the mum segment I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure it's a lot of very focused on purely entertainment content as opposed to utility content.
2: Do you think that that will evolve though so I was really actually keen to talk to you about TikTok because we've certainly seen with lockdown that we've, we've seen the rise of mums who are who are getting involved in TikTok and we have seen a few TikTok mum influences come out I was uh, just wondering whether you have been advising any of your brands in terms of the use of TikTok influencers.
0: Look, it, it, it does probably still need to evolve slightly. Look, part of the reason we struggle to, to, to uh, address the male audience is because you, channels like YouTube dominate, so like 85% male. And so a lot of the content that is produced there is either very niche or... Just has different uh, factors that the audience is looking for, can be very politically incorrect, a little bit dangerous for brands, and therefore provide, uh, you know, because we obviously need to grade our talent based on a number of factors. You know, being professional is, is one, obviously, audience size is another, but whether it's brand safe, so the use of blank, you know, poor language and that type of thing are always um, a big no no, particularly just with the brands that we work with. And so, There's definitely been, um, TikTok is definitely in that grey area right now. It's uh, a lot of fun, but could be a little bit too fun for brands to actually step into unless they're willing to let go of the safety measures that they usually have in place when it comes to the content that they produce. Does that make sense? So
2: Yeah, it does. I'm keen to kind of watch it develop and evolve because I think there may be a place for it um, down, the, down the track.
0: Yeah. And look, talent do need to be careful. It's not to say that's not happening on Instagram, but I think people are conscious that it is a commercial channel. They have commercialized it and if you do that then there's certain behaviors topics and that type of thing that they need to be careful about or you know brands are just going to steer clear and TikTok is is it you know rightfully so I guess it's got to appeal to that Uh, it does appeal to that younger age group they're definitely owning it right now but Instagram started like that and that'll change very quickly and people will realize okay well if I'm actually wanting to work with brands that I I need to be mindful that, you know, how I behave with my friends on a Friday night is not how I behave online.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm keen to uh, talk to you about Pinterest. I uh, recently had an interview with Karen, the country manager of Pinterest here in Australia, New Zealand, and we were actually talking about the increase in Pinterest traffic here in Australia over the last couple of years I'm curious to know if we have any Australian Pinterest influencers who are working really effectively with brands who are targeting mothers. It's funny because
0: um, I know that the Pinterest team are doing a a terrific job. They've made a number of really key hires here in Australia. It's absolutely exploded, particularly in COVID, it's always been one of my personal number one go-to channels. But are brands actively commissioning Pinterest content when it comes to the scope of uh, a content brief? No, it's 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 one that I'll often have on our recommendation list, but I, I don't think there's yet the understanding of the different ways that the channel's used. What you will notice though, that you know some really terrific talent that have been able to grow large audiences, do have an established Pinterest um, channel and are actively using it. I think of people like Steph Pace from Just Another Mummy blog. She has an enormous Pinterest audience. Um, people like Kira Rumble, who's not technically a mum, but she is talking, you know, she, she's actively talking, on I know I can talk about this publicly, about getting pregnant. So she's uh, sharing her journey in that space. And, you know, each of these ladies have got huge pinterest um, channels and we know that people go back to pins time and time again whether it's to remake that thing or to cook that recipe or to try that project um, so it's absolutely underutilized in my opinion and if you're already commissioning a bunch of terrific content why wouldn't you think about using pinterest if the if the content's already there
2: I echo your thoughts, Nat. I think it's highly underutilised. It's certainly on my radar, loud and clear. It wasn't a few years ago, but that has definitely changed for any brand wanting to reach mothers. And I've spoken to a number of brands that are having some really incredible success at driving traffic to their website, through pinterest and uh, i think that it really really needs to be high on the agenda for 2021 for a lot of brands looking at, at the mum market yeah i can't
0: understand why it's under the radar i've got i've got pins and boards from years and years ago that i still refer to you know on a weekly or monthly basis for different reasons so i think it's definitely one to watch each brand if you're trying to market to mums needs a pinterest plan now and and most don't so that is a huge opportunity.
1: Your podcast host, Katrina McArthur, has launched her second book. Called The Mother of All Opportunities, this book has been written for board directors, C-suite, senior marketers and business owners to shine a light on the enormous opportunities for growth which exist in the mum market. Katrina demonstrates why now is the right time to rethink your relationship with the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Fast-track your brand and build a competitive advantage by gaining critical research-based insights into this massive and underserved market. If you live in Australia, you can get your copy from www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash book. If you live overseas, you can get your copy from Amazon.
2: Now, our marketing to mums research, you know, over the past, you know, four or five years is showing really significant growth in the number of mums that have belong to a closed Facebook group. We have seen that go up from 66% of Australian mums uh, to 80% of Australian mums belong to a closed Facebook group just for mums. Now, it's always been a really big challenge in for how do brands tap into these groups, I'm wanting to ask you, are the administrators of these closed Facebook groups starting to be seen as influencers in their own right? And have you seen many brands experimenting in the closed Facebook groups yet in working with those administrators?
0: No, I haven't. I haven't seen a lot of active partnerships in closed groups. I guess uh, it is definitely an opportunity because, you know, I guess we can... the way we interact on groups is very different than how we interact anywhere else and it's like a special corner of the internet that you know that we can share how we're feeling and hear other people's testimonies and how they dealt with a certain situation or of course hear what products they might be using. I have not seen brands actively want to engage in those spaces yet because they're still unknown. I think there's been a few developments I guess with the way that you can monetize those groups if you are the administrator I know that a lot of groups uh, might start up and close it becomes a huge administrational overhead to be able to manage those groups actually takes a lot of work because you've got to again you've got to make it safe got to make it fair Uh, certain topics you know can be very argumentative and that type of thing so again it's probably a place where brands should have a think about perhaps starting up their own Facebook groups and being able to leverage it that way. But
2: yeah, again, it's untapped. Oh, very much so. I've uh, worked with a closed Facebook group on behalf of a brand before, and we've seen phenomenal re- results in co-creating some content uh, together uh, with that administrator who we treated very much as, as an influencer in their own right. And it was incredibly successful. And to me, this is a an, an untapped opportunity. I perhaps feel that another untapped opportunity in the influencer space is actually mums in business. Here in Australia, we know that women are entering business at almost three times the rate of men and have been, you know, for the past decade. And I feel that a lot of brands seem to overlook this growing segment, and it feels like a bit of a miss for me. I'd be really keen to hear your thoughts. Like, are oh, you know, do you think that we might see some women-led kind of business influences uh, start to be utilised by brands in the B two B space?
0: Yeah. Yes, definitely. So, again, the B two B space is huge overseas and it, it has really struggled to get legs in Australia. 85% of who we work with are essentially small businesses, right? So 85% of them are female small businesses. Many of um successful influencers, someone like you know your Georgie Stevenson have started things like Naked Harvest, Kira Rumble and her collagen bites, um, The Real Mama has you know gin lines so they're running these really great, successful businesses uh, purely from the audience that they've been able to grow. I would love to see a, a focus on um, B2B influencer marketing. But, yeah, it's always struggled here. I know channels like The Right Fit have established a B2B segment for influencers in that space but unfortunately i think brands are still struggle to step into that arena unless it's some well-known personalities like you know the shark tank ladies people tend to stay clear
2: Mm, it's disappointing and I feel like it's a missed opportunity for brands. So for brands listing in the B2B space, um, you know, that that's a hot tip to uh, to be looking at. I'd love to shift the conversation now to talk about one of the big shifts in influencer marketing that we've seen since we last spoke a couple of years ago, and that's around influencer disclosure. In recent times, we've seen the establishment of the Australian Influencer Marketing Council and you You've just implemented a code of practice and I understand that you're actually part of this council, Natalie. So oh,
0: I'm not actually. I'm not. Oh, you're not. No, no, they did approach me. I have far too many commitments, but I have been talking about it because I was really excited when they were launched. Uh, I think it's, it's really good to have a guidelines that we can actively refer to because we're always talking on two ends. It's not just influencers that might try and skip that component. Brands often try to as well. So it's really nice to have even just really grey areas, like for example, value in kind or gift in kind. If you're providing maybe two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, you know, when it comes to travel, maybe thousands of dollars worth of value of some kind. uh, the guidelines go to the length of describing that as sponsored, whether you receive a fee on top of that or not. We've always insisted that just full disclosure must be part of every post. So it's always been mandated in our agreements with talent and brands for that matter. So it was really lovely to have a reference point now, a local reference point to be able to point to, to say, look, this this has to happen so that there's some real clarity. There's always nervousness, talent, I guess, more talent might feel that, well, you know, in a particular PR space where brands are handing over products to magazines, it's never disclosed that that's, you know, that's that the same rules wouldn't apply there. But overall, you know, 99% of talent have been warmly. Uh, welcoming full disclosure guidelines and a bit of clarity because there is a there's other things like hashtag spawn or hashtag collab or hashtag partner that you know the audience is left wondering well what is your what are you benefiting from and how credible is this recommendation so it's really great to have a, you know a reference to point to now to make sure that disclosure is a big part of everything that we do it, it has been an adjustment you know gifting is still a large percentage of the influencer marketing space um, in Australia, you know, that might be where you have a a marketing list where you post out a bunch of, you know, boxes and of the product that hasn't necessarily been a consultation of any kind of co-creation of content. And so, you know, how beneficial that is to brands we tend not to participate in that level or it might only be one layer of an overall program um, but it's really great that there's some real clarity now mostly for audiences because they've got to believe they've got to believe in you know they've got to have a reason to believe in, in in what's being shown to them and demonstrating to them so they can have assurances that what, what the partnership entails.
2: So, Natalie, if we're just taking things back a step, when we say disclosure and that there are now, you know, there's now this code of contact, what do brands need to do and what do influencers need to do? Is hashtag sponsored enough?
0: Well, it's funny that you say that because, yes, I would have said hashtag sponsored was enough a couple of months ago since the guidelines have come out, but just in the last two weeks. So, we're we're sort of mid october now 2020 just in the last 2 weeks what has become probably more important is the paid partnership tag capabilities within instagram and facebook so this is when it is very prominently displayed by connecting to the brand's facebook or instagram page with the paid partnership tag we call it for branded content so if talent are posting with the hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored which in my opinion was necessary even if they are using that but without the paid partnership tag just in the last couple of weeks we've noticed that talent are getting penalized in the feed in other words their posts are not getting seen by as many people and they're not getting any anywhere near as much engagement so what this is really saying to to us is that Facebook and Instagram are moving into this space now and they're going to make it absolutely mandatory for any type of paid or gifting partnership to be you to utilize that paid partnership tech hey there's benefits from using it you know you can get the immediate results and reach an engagement from that post because it's literally connected to your you know the brand's Facebook or Instagram page but these things always take a little bit of time to adjust there's a couple of talent that try and get around that now not by using the hashtag because if you use the hashtag you're penalised and so they'll use brackets instead because it's not always possible to get you need permission from the page in order to be using that paid partnership so there'll be this crossover period where talent we're always trying to avoid using the paid partnership tag maybe six months ago and sometimes needed a bit convincing now they're insisting because they can see that they're getting penalised does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And listen, you touched on something earlier that I'm also keen to get clear on as well. Where someone gifts a product to an influencer, so no payment has been made. It's just a gift, like let's say a product is sent out. There's no expectation that the influencer does anything. There's the hope that they do. But if that influencer then were to post wearing that dress or you know wearing that gift, what do they need to disclose? Do, do they need to disclose?
0: in my opinion it's a little bit it's a little bit grey in the aimco guidelines it's very clear in the new new zealand version it's very clear in the new zealand version last month they released their own version in my opinion that is a benefit you have been provided a value to comment on the product so in my opinion uh, that needs to be disclosed as sponsored
2: Yep. Okay. Fantastic. No, look, that's great. It's really great to be able to get some insight from someone who is so heavily involved in in that disclosure and and that code of conduct. So thank you. Now, if people wanted to learn more about you, Natalie, and your services over at the Remarkables Group, what's the best way for them to do so? Hey, we've just
0: launched our website. So good timing, Katrina. Um, So yeah, just head over to our website. There's a couple of great guides there as well. Um, Things like the seven key mistakes that marketers make. We've got a, a downloadable guide there that has a landscape of you know all the players in the space from all the talent managers, some of the tech players, uh, you know different agencies that specialise in this space. You can download a, a guide there. People often find that as a great start. We've got a bit of a, a history of the industry in Australia in that document as well. But the remarkablesgroup.com dot au Uh, we've got a guide there on disclosure as well if people are unsure but of course head to the AINCO website to have a look at the australian standard for disclosure in australia very helpful but yeah that would be the best way to get in contact with us
2: Fantastic. Well, Natalie, I would love to thank you for helping us educate us around the value of influencer marketing and some of those key changes that have happened over the last couple of years. So thanks for coming back and being part of the show twice. Pleasure.
0: My pleasure. Thanks, Katrina. Thanks.
2: Well, that was a really interesting show, getting a great update from Natalie Giddings over the changes to the influencer marketing space over the last couple of years. I think we pointed out a number of opportunities there for both brands and also potential influencers to cater for many of the different sub-segments of the mum market. I thought it was also great to get some clarity around some of those new disclosure rules. So this is one of those episodes that you might want to share with the rest of your marketing team particularly those that have an interest in influencer marketing just to gain some clarity around that new code of conduct. until next time thanks for listening
1: you've been listening to marketing to mums the podcast the show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer mums if you have enjoyed this episode please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.